Hey friends, Harrison here, and I cannot believe it's been a few years since we started this podcast. One of the things that we get asked about a ton is what training plan should I follow? And so we've decided to develop our own and get it into an app that you can download. So if you're looking for a plan that's interactive, that you can not only see which miles to run, but which strength exercises to do and watch videos and be able to have a checklist system that will literally walk you through the plan and help you keep track of your progress, we've got you covered. Go ahead and click on the link in the description to get started. You're going to have a seven-day free trial. Give it a shot. Let us know what you think, and good luck. Have fun out there, guys. Hi, I'm Mo Crum. And I'm Harrison Crum. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When the universe says to you, you're not going to run a marathon, how do you react? That's what you're going to hear today in this episode with one of my best friends of all time. His name is Cameron Farnsworth. I don't want to give away too many details, but here it goes. Here's my interview with Cameron. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cameron, the myth, the man, the legend. How you doing? Harrison, glad to be with you, brother. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is exciting. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. So for everyone listening, Cameron is uh, one of my very best friends from, uh, from, I guess, the time we were about 15, somewhere in that ballpark until now and for many years to come. Uh, so yeah, we we let's talk about where we met and how we 
became friends. <laughs> I don't even yeah. remember at this point. I think it was in a backyard well, playing music or something. Well, when you put it as 15 years ago, it makes it sound like old farts now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think you're right. Um, it was probably in a backyard. At that time, we were probably sophomore juniors in high school, and we were really into the music scene where we were growing up. And I think we uh, probably saw each other's bands play at some point. Yeah. And then I, just kind of became really good friends after that. I, I I agree. I think it was in that time frame. And uh, so so Cameron played bass guitar. I play, You also play guitar. But in the band we played in together, you played bass and uh, I played drums. So some fun remember, history there. Yeah. I um, just remember and, when I when I had seen your uh, band, I just thought you guys were so talented. And then we had a mutual friend, Breck. And uh, I swam with Breck, but Breck was kind of our intermediary that got us acquainted, and that's how we became buddies. That's right. You were a swimmer, bro. You had the you had the long hair, <laughs> dyed by the chlorine. I mean, it was it's naturally blonde, but with the chlorine, it was like green, yellow, blonde, and uh, that was fun. You you were you were jacked, man. You're what six one six two, six two. Yeah. yeah, and that picture, we'll, we'll have to share this when we share the episode of you swimming and your back is all, like, all kinds of muscles that I'll, I'll probably never have on my back. So, um, yeah, you were like a, a, a top-end swimmer in our in our high school, um, but never really a runner, right? I mean, you, you just exclusively did swim. Yeah, high school, swimming was my thing, and those muscles have since waned through, you know, uh, 15 years going to school, becoming a a working man with a family. But, uh, I guess the ironic part about that is at the time I was probably the athletic one. And now I feel like the roles have kind of reversed where I'm coming to you for all of the athletic advice, because you've just really grown and taken off with, running and then doing your half iron man um so it, it's just so funny that our roles have kind of switched in that way uh, yeah. since that time totally high school i was uh definitely not athletic at all I, I just stuck to the marching band i played the drums and uh i worked a lot you know at a at a tire shop and um and ran around a lot with you guys, but yeah, you were the, you were the athletic one of all of our friends. You and our friend Danny were the ones that really excelled in, in, uh, athletics. And so it has been fun to kind of watch everybody grow up and, and go different paths. Cameron, you're now an attorney. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you do on, on a day-to-day basis in the, in the field that you're in? Sure. So, um, there's a couple different kinds of lawyers, just like how there are you know, different types of doctors and um, I joined my my county's public defender office about a year and a half ago. And so I'm a trial lawyer. I, I represent people that can't afford representation. And never in my life would I have thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now. Um, and it, that's just where my path has led me. And uh, I, I love it. I love being a trial lawyer and uh, defending people. 
that can't really speak for themselves. So, so tell me real quick before we get too sidetracked, but I, I do want to dive into this a little bit. What's the most gratifying thing about what you do as a public defender? Uh, I've had some very special experiences where um, I would even call them spiritual, where I am speaking on behalf of somebody. And I just feel this immense gratitude and uh, to be able to advocate for either A, um, mercy on behalf of someone, or B, uh, advocate for an innocent person. Um, so both of those things, in in a way, is probably the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my career. Um, I feel like what I do really affects people's lives, and I'm grateful to be able to do that. That's awesome. Well, the world's great. The world's great for for people like you. We're we're um, you know blessed to have uh, people who are kind of willing to put aside. I, I don't I don't want to say this without being sensitive here, but, you know, there's a lot of attorneys who um, choose money over um, over, you know, being able to help people. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong at all, because I, I probably I would go that route if I were in your shoes. And so I think it's admirable that you're doing something where you're helping people, but also living out your dream, you know, and, and, and doing something that fulfills you. So um, kudos to you on that. Thanks, man. That means a lot. So so when did you. And I, I obviously know the answer to a lot of these questions, right? This is kind of funny because we're so close, but this is really for the sake of listeners out there. Um, you know, we've, we've received a lot of feedback from people saying, I love your podcast because I can relate. I'm new. I'm a new runner. There's nothing else out there with content specifically for me. So kind of keeping the beginner runner in mind, um, tell me when you started running and why. Well, the... The path kind of began um, probably going on about a year and a half, close to to two years now. Um, I was working at a firm before my current position, and it's the typical lawyer story, man. I I gained 20, 25 pounds, sedentary. I was sitting behind a desk all day, Um, and it, it was really affecting all aspects of my life and I felt like I needed to shake things up a little bit. Um, I I've received a lot of mental health benefits from running and physical benefits. Um, I remember one point I was just feeling like I was at a low and my instinct just said, go for a run. So I laced up the shoes. I happened to be on a, a weekend vacation out in, California, Newport Beach. And if if you've been there, you know that it probably has the best weather in the whole world. It's it's a beautiful place. The the sky was, you know, blue, the seagulls were, you know, floating in the air. You could hear uh, you know, street bands playing off in the distance. And I thought, if I'm not gonna run here, where else in the world am I gonna run? So I laced up the shoes and I ran two miles. And I just remember feeling uh, a little lighter. I didn't feel as heavy um, with the things that were weighing on my mind. And I thought, man, if I could feel this way all the time, then I want to feel this way as much as possible. And so that kind of kick-started my running journey. And I, w- I, I do have a lot of friends that, that are running 
or exercising, um, you're one of them. And so, you know, I reached out to people like you, I reached out to my sister and they kind of encouraged me to, to sign up for my first race. And that ended up being a half marathon in Gilbert, Arizona. So that, that's kind of the, uh, the beginning of my running journey. I remember that race vividly because I was there. Um, but I, I think I remember you doing something in Oklahoma too. Cause, and by the way, you're a, a Oklahoma resident. Um, what, didn't you do like a memorial race or something like that out there? You're absolutely right. Yeah. So Oklahoma has an amazing event. It's the Oklahoma city Memorial marathon. Um, now my history might be a little, uh, shaky, so I won't try to give, you know, certain facts, but, um, there was an Oklahoma city bombing, I think maybe 20 ish years ago. And, uh, here locally, if you don't know someone that was affected by it, someone you know that knows someone was affected by it. And so it has such a big meaning here uh, locally. And the event that they put on for the Memorial Marathon is just outstanding. Um, they, they have runners that come in from all over. A lot of people run it. It's very well produced and attended the whole way. Um, but you're absolutely right. Before I did my half marathon in Gilbert, I did a relay one of the lawyers in my firm had had offered me a spot on their relay and i said yeah i'll do it um so we split up a marathon but my leg was the first leg and it was a 10k and uh i i think i had just been casually running at that point and i had never run a 10k before so that's really the distance that i started with um after running that that uh, weekend in, in California, I, I told myself I could continue doing this. And then I ended up at that first 10K. Gotcha. So, so you're right. That that was my first actual running event. Yeah. Yeah. So 10K, then half marathon in Gilbert, Arizona. This was, remind me, the year 21, maybe? That sounds right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you trained really hard you trained your butt off for Chicago. You got into Chicago. I remember it as well because you and I were sitting in the same room and I actually don't even remember. I think your wife signed you up and then I said, let me sign Mo and I up and see if we get in or something along those lines. It was like we were sitting together and I was like, Hey, let's see if we get in. And we didn't, but uh, you got into Chicago and tell me, tell me kind of the, the, the chain of events. I think that was for the 2022 race, which was in October, if I'm not mistaken. Walk me through what happened there. Yeah, so uh, my wife is amazing. And she, she has started just signing me up for these different races. And she knows how much running is, has helped me and how much I, I've grown to like it. And she signed me up for the Chicago Marathon. Uh, for October 2022. So this is just, you know, fairly recently, but the sign up was very well in advance of the actual race. How, how in advance is it, Harrison? Is it six months? Is it a year? I think it was, you were in town visiting when we were signing up. So I don't remember, but yeah, let's just call it eight months. Let's just kind of meet in the middle. Yeah. Like we definitely had time to prepare for this. And and so my wife signed me up. I got an email saying that I had uh, been selected in the drawing because it was on a lottery system. If it's your first marathon, you can you can do that. 
Um, and maybe even if it's not your first marathon, you can try to put in, but I got in, um, and my father-in-law got in and my brother-in-law, uh, found a different way to get into the race. I think he ran for charity, but, um, that was our first marathon and I had, uh, gotten a training plan for it. I believe it was a 20 week plan and looking, I remember looking for the first time at that plan thinking, Oh my goodness, I've never ran, uh, this many miles in a week or in a month. And so the, the plan kind of looked daunting at first, but I, I was fairly diligent at following the plan. And at first I remember, uh, you know, going on these runs, really not knowing anything about how to train or prepare. Um, I, I was listening to your podcast at, since the very beginning, and that's what I was listening to on my runs. And so that kept me motivated. It, it gave me an idea as to what I was getting into. Very informative. But I didn't have uh, like a coach or, you know, anyone that I was talking one-on-one with really at that point. Um, so at the beginning there, the first several weeks and a couple months into it, into that 20 week plan, I started developing some knee pain and, you know, I hadn't run like this before. So I didn't know what was normal, what wasn't normal. Um, and then yeah, I had done all the long runs. I had gone up to an 18 mile long run as my, my peak run. And then a couple days after, um, my body, I, I, here's what I think happened. My body did not get the rest that it needed to fully recover. Um, I remember going on the 18 mile run and then that following Monday, um, I was in trial and just on my feet and that, that probably wasn't a great idea, but there was probably a lot of things that contributed to what had happened. I, I had developed a lot of foot pain, um, And so I thought, well, this isn't a great time to be feeling not just discomfort, but actual sharp pains that prevent me from running. Even if I wanted to, lacing up the shoes and uh, and getting out the door, every step would have been extremely painful. So um, I've heard the phrase that there's a there's a fine line between having grit and being stupid. And at that point, I thought, well you know, if I don't try to, to resolve this in the next several weeks, I'm not even going to get to the start line, even though I've put forth all this, this effort into it. So you know how it, how it feels when you put in a bunch of work into something and then you aren't able to reap the benefit from that? It's, uh, uh, it, it can be kind of hard and, and dissatisfying. So I, I went and saw a few different doctors. I went to uh, here in Oklahoma City, we have a, a guy that all the runners, all the Ironmen go to. Um, and so I, I signed myself up and got myself an appointment with him. Um, got my feet scanned. Um, and, and this doctor was doing everything he could to help me get to the start line. Uh, there was even one point where I brought in my running shoes and, and he tried to make different adjustments to the laces and the shoes it was almost as if the guy was doing surgery on my shoes. It was amazing. It, it just <laughs> felt like he was just so invested into helping me get to the start line because he was a runner himself. And I think that's very important when you're working with doctors, they, uh, that they understand what your goals are. 
and this guy knew exactly what I wanted to do. So, um, he said, well, you know, stay off the feet for a little bit. Uh, let's just try to get you to the start line. Well, um, we end up going to Chicago, Harrison, right? We went to Chicago at this time. Like I'm walking, I'm feeling good. And in my mind, I know that something is still not right with my foot. Um, in fact, the night before the race, you know, we had gone to the expo, we had picked up our race packet, we went to dinner, we carbo loaded at this, uh, Maggiano's and in, uh, in Chicago, it was amazing. We stuffed ourselves, we were ready to race and I'm getting back to the hotel room and my foot swelled up, um, uh, it just became totally inflamed and red. And it looked like that there was at least a baseball um, underneath my foot. That's how swollen it was. And um, I immediately, um, you know, thank goodness my wife is so amazing. She helped me get some ice, you know, down the hall in the hotel to, to reduce the swelling. I'm, I'm taking ibuprofen and uh, you know, that panic sets in where I thought I did all the work, you know, why is this happening? Right. Like this was an uncontrollable variable that, uh, that I just couldn't, uh, you know, you know, beat, you know, this, this was a battle that I at the time didn't think that I, that I could win. And, and so I tried to sleep that night. The pain was so bad. I, I couldn't sleep at all. And, my alarm goes off to the race for the, you know, get ready and get dressed for the race. And I thought, this isn't even a choice at this point. I can't even stand on the foot. That's how swollen it is. That's how, how much pain I'm in. And that to me was devastating because training for a marathon is no joke. And um, you put in the consistency and the time and effort day after day, week after week, month after month. This, this was a, four or five month process, uh, to, to train for this. And so this is something that I've definitely invested in. And, uh, I remember, you know, getting a little emotional thinking I I have to throw in the towel. I can't even get to the start line. And so I knew that there was a risk going into it because of the previous foot issues I was having a couple weeks before, but, um, I was optimistic um, but I left that experience a little deflated. Um, I, I was able to see my my father-in-law and brother-in-law run the race. I was able to, uh, to see their experience. And they were able to uh, to get the reward for all the work that they did. And I thought, man, like this, this was supposed to be the victory lap. What happened? So um, I came back from Chicago. My number one goal was recover, recover, recover. Let's do whatever we can to, uh, make sure that, you know, my, my foot is fully healed before I start running again. You know, I got with the right people to, to make sure that, that I could do that. Um, but essentially as soon as I came home, I was signing up for the next race. And so that happened to be, uh, February 4th of 2023. And so this is, you know, October, November, December, January, February. This is, you know, four or five months later after Chicago. And I thought that'll give me plenty of time. 
uh, to retrain. Let's, let's figure out what issues I was experiencing, what my weaknesses were and, uh, how we can, how we can actually get to the start line. Man, I, I've never had knock on wood. I haven't had that experience yet where you train and, and can't run. I have had close calls where I kind of feel that injury coming on, but, but, you know, miraculously I'm able to get over it. So I really feel for you there. And I, I think that I, I appreciate your positivity because you've been able to take that negative, horrible experience. Honestly, that I, I can't imagine the FOMO of getting out to Chicago knowing you're supposed to be the one out there running, watching your close friends and family run it and you not being able to be on the course with them. Um, Listen, man, I, I don't want to sound like a nerd, but you could hear the race from my hotel room. And I just, it, it was misery for me knowing that I couldn't be out there because I knew I was ready. I was prepared. My fitness was at the level that was required to run a marathon, but uh, my, my body at the time just couldn't because yeah. of my foot. Well, you, uh, you're taking a, you're taking a, a quote out of, um, Ken Rideout's book of calling, uh, every runner a nerd. Um, <laughs> uh, you must've listened to that podcast episode with him. You know, but, if you haven't, if you haven't heard that podcast episode, um, it's amazing. Ken Rideout has an amazing story. That's what's so cool about, uh, this podcast, Harrison, is you get introduced to these players that are just what what seem like normal people um you know people might disagree with me saying that about Ken Rideout because that guy obviously has a determination and focus like like most people could only dream of but at the end of the day like you you realize that these are people too um and really their stories are inspiring and they've inspired me and that's why I've remained in the game so to speak or wanting to be in the game as far as just even getting to and through a marathon. Yeah, totally. I, that's yeah. If you're listening to this right now, you haven't heard our episode with Ken Rideout, go back and find it. It's awesome. He is who I aspire to be when I'm 50. Uh, and then I feel a little bit of uh, fame, I, I guess you could say that we had the opportunity to interview him. And then he went on to interview with Rich Roll, which is kind of cool. But oh my anyways, gosh. No, no, uh, <laughs> we can't just gloss over Ken Wright on Ritual. Those guys are so legendary. I, and between your podcast and Rituals, I, I try to listen to as much as possible between, you know, the three of you guys, you, Rich, and uh, and Ken. Just so inspiring, man. Well, yeah, I I, uh, I can't take any credit there, but yes, he he. Uh, anyways, he's he's been an inspiration to me as well. So. But let, let's let's go back to um, you're feeling this, this kind of FOMO. You're feeling like a nerd. You know, I can't I can't be out there. You know, normal people would look at us. When I say normal, I mean people who think runners are crazy would look at us and say, uh, guys, what's the big deal? Like, so what? You still got to go to Chicago. You still got to kind of be with your friends and your family. So what? You didn't get to run the race. But I don't think anyone who hasn't gone through the training cycle of a marathon will ever understand it until they do. It's... Uh, it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of tears. It's a lot of sweat. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel for you, but I, anyways, there is a happy ending to this story. So you decided to sign up for the Mesa marathon in, in Mesa, Arizona, uh, which is your hometown, our hometown, I should say. And, uh, you, how did you approach training differently or did you approach training differently for that race versus Chicago? 
that's a really good question. Do you mind if I address and explain a little bit more as to why signing up for the marathon was such a big deal for me in the first place and why I was so bummed out in Chicago? Totally. So for me, um, you know, I, when I first started running and, and seeing some of the benefits from running, Harrison, this is just for, for everybody out there that feels like they might feel a little stuck or uh, perhaps um, they feel like they need to shake up their life a little bit. You, you run and train for a marathon, that will change your life. It'll change your perspective. You'll, you'll become a, uh, a better person. You'll be a better father, a better husband. And I, I know that sounds really cliche to say, but man, is it true? I know you know it's true. Hundred percent. Yeah, I it, it's it's changed my life for sure. And I I think I told you that from the very beginning, uh, when times got tough, and and encouraged you to keep going. And um, I I think it's the single biggest turning point in my life. I should say in my adult life. Um, you know, in a as far as a personal decision that I've made that I've executed. Uh, in my personal life that has then changed me in, in, in many ways, uh, I guess in all, all aspects of my, my life. Why do you think that is? Why do we have that feeling towards the marathon and like the training of it? You know, I've, I've, uh, I've explored this, I think on a couple of episodes with various guests or maybe just one, but, um, you know what? I think for me, at least it's always been this way. It's because you're unlocking a new part of your brain that says I can, I can do something that's really hard that I didn't ever think that I could do before. And so if I could do that with a marathon, what else could I do in my life? Oh, I could be a better dad. I could be a better, uh, you know, uh, manager or worker, whatever you do, what is it is that you do at work. I could be better, you know, in my, you know, organizations that I'm in part of, whether religious or, you know, community organizations. Um, I can be a better friend. Everything that I do, you know, I can be better about painting my house or any, any single thing that you do, you can sort of push yourself now to a new limit. And that's how I've always looked at it. What about you? I, I fully agree. I think that the changes that you will start to see in your life are symbiotic of the actual training and the changes that you have to make for the training. You know, it's you pick up one stick and you get the under, other end of the stick at the same time. You train for the marathon, you're going to be making changes in your life that affect everything else. I, f- I truly feel like everything else is impacted through the decision to commit to training to something this hard. And so when Chicago was taken away from me, I thought I cannot stop here. I'm going to sign up for another one. I know how this is affecting my life. I'm going to run the 26.2 and I want to run it as soon as possible. So that's why I signed up for the Mesa marathon uh, February 24th of 2023. And not to give too much away, but you, you crushed it. You did awesome. But before we jump into that, I, I kind of want to know 
just to dive into the nitty gritty so people listening to this who are training for their first, they can get an idea of what's possible. So you, I think you did it right. You picked a, a race that was about four months out and that gave you enough time to heal up from one injury and then kick your training back off and have enough time to kind of peak and then um, get in enough mileage and enough fitness to, to then be ready for that race. Um, t- tell me about your training kind of that second go around. The second go around, I, I knew what weaknesses I needed to address. Um, you know, there's weaknesses in, in my, my calves and my legs, um, particularly my hamstrings and my feet. And so going into this next training cycle, I knew that cross training and strength training uh, was going to be required. I needed to take that as seriously as I was my, my runs that I had scheduled. And so, um, I, I didn't want to miss a cross training or a strength training day ever. I took nutrition a little bit more seriously. Um, I, I wanted to get into my protein more. I wanted to eat more carbs. The, the first go around, um, I don't think I was eating enough. And I think that's, that's a big mistake that marathoners make is you, you have to put in the fuel to supply the vehicle. And I I don't think I was doing that. So that was mistake. Number one, mistake. Number two, that first go around was I wasn't doing enough strength training or cross training. Um, something that will actually give my legs the power, um, and the strength that it needs to carry me those hours and hours of, of running. Um, the, the third mistake that I had made for that Chicago cycle was I made the cardinal sin of switching out my shoes uh, too far into the game. I, I had gotten a new pair of shoes uh, and I had worn for about a week and then I went on that 18 mile run with that newer set of shoes and I think that just destroyed my legs and my feet and caused injury to a, to a few uh, different muscles there. So I tried to avoid um, a, a new pair of shoes. So I, I bought new pairs of shoes in advance that I could cycle through on those lower miles early on for the, the Mesa marathon. And then I was trying to dial in my nutrition and uh, my non-running exercises to, to give me the best shot of getting to the start line. So those were the three main topics and in categories that I was uh, really paying attention to this go around. You called out some of the most important things that I think any beginner can learn. Um, So thank you for calling that out. If, if you missed them once again, nutrition, eating enough. Uh, Second point was um, the shoe. Well, the the shoes was the third point. What was the second point again? The strength and cross strength. That's right. Strength and cross training. Um, yes. Perfect. So, Thank you so, for calling those out. Um, and then what was your, what was the maximum amount of mileage that you ran? Like if, if you had to total up your miles, what's the most you ran either the first or the second go, go, uh, the second, first or second time. What, what are the most amount of miles in a single week, both training cycles? Well, I guess, yeah. Out of the two cycles, what was the most and when was it? Do you remember? Um, they were probably about, well, 
the first go around, I was running more miles. Okay. Uh, I was running more miles throughout the week. And uh, you had helped me through that for the second go around. We, if, if I saw this correctly, we reduced the, the weekly miles, but uh, the long runs, we gave myself more time to, to build. And, uh, and we were very careful at, at, at assessing uh, just how far to go with the long runs and how many consecutive weeks before peaking. Uh, I think that was big for me, but uh, to answer your question, I think the, the most amount of miles, the second go around, I was probably 32 miles in a week, but the first go around, I think I got up to 35 or 36. Cool. Well, thanks for that. I mean, the reason I asked the question is I want people to hear that you don't have to have a a 60 mile week to complete your first marathon. You know, if you're building up from nothing, it's really hard to get up to the forties, fifties, sixties, you know, the pros are up running between 80 and 120 or, or more. I mean, so uh, there's there, obviously you can go out and read a lot of books, but it's good to hear firsthand from someone who just finished their first that you were able to successfully complete a race and you peaked at about 30, you know, low thirties. Um, the other rule of thumb that, that we stuck to, as we talked a lot, as you were training was, um, not exceeding a three mile, a three hour long run. And, um, so I think, I think you intentionally ran those, those long runs, uh, at a painfully slow pace and then had to cap yourself, not at the mileage mark, but at, you know, the hour mark. Yeah. I felt like we had to, we had to cap myself and I knew and my body knew that my fitness level was beyond what, um, I was running at least in my mind. That's how I felt. I've always felt like on these longer runs and I can't believe that I'm saying, yeah, just go out and run a half a marathon on a, on a Saturday as part of my training. But when you build to that and your fitness level can exceed that your body wants to run uh, faster than, uh, than what is probably reasonable or necessary to allow your body um, what it needs to actually be prepared for the race day. Sure. So, so then you got successfully to the start line Sort of. <laughs> let's let's go briefly into what happened, kind of the the week leading up to the race. Uh, well, we had we had performed a well, we had we had trained throughout this whole cycle. Um, and what's unique to the marathon is you are really wearing your body down at different points, and you are pulling back some weeks to allow your body to rest and you're, you know, continuing this overall um, uh, trajectory to increase your mileage until peak mileage. Well, when we hit the peak mileage, my longest training run was 20 miles. And after that, we started tapering down two weeks before the race, the Monday before the race, the race is on Saturday. That Monday I was, standing in court in front of the judge and something just felt like it hit my body out of nowhere. And she said, the judge looks at me and she says, you don't, you don't look too good. And I said, judge, can I sit down? I don't feel so great. 
And I've never said those words before to a judge. I never thought I would have to say that. And she says, you need to go. So I left and uh, basically went straight to my bed and didn't leave my bed for a few days. I saw a doctor um, and they said that I was diagnosed with strep throat and I, I had a fever, 102 degrees. And I was thinking, not again, not Chicago. I'm going to be 0 for 2, 0 for 2 training for a marathon and then not getting to the start line. Um, so, you know, this that whole week going into that race, um, I had lost six pounds. And, you know, keep in mind for for the listeners that, you know, this is a time where your body is supposed to be resting. You're supposed to be hydrating. Your body's repairing and um, you're basically priming your body to get in the most optimal uh, resting uh, state before the start line. And uh, I wasn't doing that. Uh, I got on antibiotics that depleted my body completely of, uh, I'm not a doctor, but my understanding is, um, you know, those really do a great job of flushing out everything in your body. And so I wasn't holding on to anything. And I'm uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to, to eat as much as possible. I'm doing my best to drink as much as possible. Um, because I knew if I could do that, then I would give myself the best shot, um, for Saturday. But Wednesday came around and I thought I called you Harrison, or I texted you and I said, I got to cancel my flight. I said, there's no way. There's no shot of me doing this this week. It would be, uh, it would be irresponsible of me to try to do this in this type of condition. And you said, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, my takeaway from it was: hang in there. You have a few more days. You can turn a corner. Um, you know, you can make your decision then. But I was flying out Thursday. <laughs> I was, I was flying out Thursday night. That's when my flight was. And so, um, I had talked to a couple of people and, um, the advice that I was given, not from a doctor, but the advice I was given from, from a, uh, from another runner was Cameron, if it's not in your chest, if you don't have a fever, run your race. And I thought, okay, I can do that. I can run my race. It'll be different. I'll have to adjust my expectations but if my fever's broke, um, and my doctor said, you know, fever's broke, you know, 24 hours, you know, you can, I wouldn't advise racing, but, you know, I'll leave it to you. So I thought, well, if I feel like I'm turning a corner by Thursday, then I'm, I'm going to race. And Thursday morning, I, I woke up and instinctually, I thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, even though I didn't feel 100% at all. I still got on the plane and I had antibiotics in my system. So for anyone that, that thought I was irresponsible getting on a plane, being sick, I had antibiotics in my system for a few days by that point. It wasn't contagious and um, got to Arizona uh, knowing that I was not 100%, but that I was going to get to the start line and the finish line. And so, um, Friday rolls around, um, I go and get my race packet and I'm still drinking water like crazy because with 
the strep throughout. It just felt like I wasn't getting enough. Um, so I was drinking all the water that I could take in. You know, you could open up the fire hose and I could drink it. I would still feel like I'm not hydrated. And so uh, I got all my things ready for the race. And uh, the, the Mesa Marathon is unique. We had to wake up at 3 to get to the start line by 4 to get on the bus before the bus leaves at 4.30 to drive us all the way out to the desert. And uh, my body felt tired on the bus getting to the start line. But I knew if I could just get to the start line, I'm going to race this. and I'm going to finish this. I, I have to do this. And um, I told my wife that I said, you know, I have to do this. And she looked at me and she says, no, you don't. And I said, well, well, I'm choosing to. <laughs> I'm choosing to do this. And uh, the race was a, a lesson for me, Harrison, because. You know, I could have been 0 for 2 for training and then not making it to the start line. Um, but I think me and you had talked about it before the race that if I if I wait to be in an optimal condition or an optimal state before doing anything in my life, whether that's, you know, work, family, running, if I wait to be in a perfect condition to where I feel like I could give what I know I could give, then life really doesn't work like that, right? We, um, we're always going to have some type of a challenge that might prevent us from being at our peak optimal condition to perform or to complete a task. Um, but if, if we were waiting for that optimal experience, then we're probably never going to attempt it because that optimal chance and time might not ever come. And so, and so for me, um, it was important that I that I attempted this, and I knew that I had to adjust my expectations for what my paces would be. And then getting into the race, that was a whole different experience. But I knew once I started, I wasn't going to stop. Yeah. Well, I, I woke up uh, not super early that morning, but by the time I woke up to go out for my personal run, I looked, and you were, I think, three or four miles in, and I said, I said, he's doing it. And I... I, I didn't know how that was going to go down, you know, because I don't think anyone would have blamed you for making the decision. In fact, I think a lot of p- people would have been supportive of you to kind of throw in the towel and, and say, well, I, I better find another race four months out. But um, no, I mean, you did it. And and so Mo and I came, we met up with you around mile, had to have been mile 20, 21, somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, one of the first things you said to me when I saw you was, I've been redlining since mile one. I haven't felt good, but you were, you looked really strong. Your form looked great. Like you didn't look like someone who just got beat over the head by the wall. And, you know, you're kind of, you weren't slouching. You weren't, um, you, you just, you had a good energy about you. I could sense it. And so, uh, was that right? You, you had said that your heart rate was, was pretty elevated pretty early on into the race. Yeah. My Garmin was showing me, um, from mile one. And of course, you know, the Mesa marathon, it starts at a decline and, um, I thought, okay, well, I could take some advantage of, of this, uh, losing some elevation at the start. I didn't feel any advantage of that or any increase in my, my pace at all from that. Um, I started at my, my race plan. I started at the pace that I knew that I, that I started at for all of my runs that I've been training at. 
and I thought, okay, well, we're going to run this race the way that I, that I think I can do this. And I just held that pace for as long as I could. And then there's a point in this Mesa marathon where miles four, four and a half to almost six, or maybe it's just a mile and a half, uh, has a couple hundred feet elevation gain. And, and that, uh, definitely got my heart rate up and I was redlining, uh, from that point. Um, and basically the Garmin just shows where your heart rate is and the red zone is really getting into some territory with your heart rate where you, you shouldn't sustain, sustain that for an extended period of time. Um, my body for some reason, was still trying to get over that fatigue that I had experienced for that week. And so, yeah, I had been redlining, uh, from very early on in the race. Yeah, it, that, that's tough, but you know, you pushed through. And then when I saw you, you were so close to the finish line and by that point, you know, it'd be silly to drop out unless you were like, you know, um, passing out or with a broken foot or something. And so by that point I had asked you, Hey, what can I get you? And and just knowing what I need around that point in a marathon, a banana and a cold Gatorade. So uh, you were like, that sounds great. So I went to the gas station. I found the last banana they had. Um, I ran it over to you. I, I hopped in my car and kind of found where you were. I was following you on the, on the app, gave you that banana. Tell me about the delicious banana at mile. I don't know. What was it? 22, 23. Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, when you run a marathon, having if you don't have support then that's that just makes it harder and that just means you're even more of a warrior for doing it and but the feeling that i got seeing family and friends and strangers even strangers will cheer for you during a marathon that is so uh, humbling and fulfilling knowing that uh, so many people support you The, the runners on the course support you and that is so incredibly uplifting. And that's part of, I think, the, the miracle of the marathon is you're doing this hard thing with the support of people that that you maybe you love or maybe they're strangers. But seeing you and Mo at, uh, what did you say? It was like mile 21? Yeah, I think somewhere in there. Man, embracing you guys, that was very uplifting for me. And that's something that I'm going to hold on to for a while. But I say that to say, even though that was great, the banana was even better. (laughs) 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 That that banana was the elixir of life, Harris. And I I tell you, when you said, I'm going to go get you something, would you like a banana? I thought, wow, that, that sounds amazing. I scarfed that banana down so fast. I drank that blue Gatorade and I felt okay. I'm, I'm going to go, we're going to go. And, and then a mile later, you know, everyone talks about the wall, right? (laughs) You were running with me. My sister was next to me. And, uh, I, I remember, um, I think I was a little delirious at this point, but I said, Hey, you, uh, you guys know that wall that everybody talks about? I think I just hit it at mile (laughs) mile 23. And you guys were so supportive. You know, you you got this. You were so optimistic for me. And uh, 
and then both you and my sister kind of fell off the wings and let me take those last couple of miles by myself, which was a whole different different experience. But certainly that banana and that Gatorade helped me get through that. Well, I, I felt bad dropping off. Uh, I saw your family up ahead. And so your sister, Ashley, and I, we, we dropped off and uh, let you kind of greet your family. I think this was around mile 24. And then I I didn't want to... I didn't want to take your, those last two miles from you. Like I wanted you to experience that on your own. You know what I mean? To, 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 to fight through that last couple of miles, which is, you know, obviously the hardest part of the whole marathon. And, um, and so I wasn't there for that. I'm, I'm curious how that went. I, I, we still haven't had a chance to connect about it. Tell me, tell me about those last couple of miles and then crossing the finish line. No one can prepare you for those last couple of miles. I had such great support throughout the entirety of that race. And, uh, you know, when you say, you know, you went on your own, no, I very much felt like I was on my own. Um, those last two miles, no matter how many times you've ran two miles, um, those were the longest two miles I've ever ran. And I had to tell myself, okay, um, at this point we might have to switch up the pace and in, in, in the plan um, run as much as you can for as long as you can. You know, if I, if I need like a, a minute walk, I'm going to have to do that. But that's what it comes to those last couple of miles is everything that you've got left in the tank. The tank is depleted. All of the glycogen in your muscles and your body, it's gone at that point. Uh, that's why the banana was so important. But, uh, for me, it felt like it was certainly the hardest part. It was the hardest part of the training for any miles that I've ever ran. And, and I, I, I will always remember that I will never want to run that last mile ever again in that geographical location. I There's Westwood High School right there on, on Rio, right? Yeah. I, I never want to run Westwood High School down to Mesa Riverview um, in, in in that type of a, a mental state. I, I know what I'm going into for the next marathon, what the couple of things that I can probably do to help me get through that last mile. But um, that last mile is tough, man. Anyone that's ran the marathon knows just how difficult those last few miles are. Yeah, it, it obviously the most challenging of the marathon, but it's so difficult to where you, you almost, as, as you look forward now and maybe you'll feel differently, but as I look forward to to future races, those are the miles I dread. I don't care about the first 20. I don't care about the first 22. It's those last four miles or last few miles, you know, where I'm just, that's the part I get anxious about. And, uh, but you know what, you, you did it, you pushed through, you made it through the, the very end Tell me about that final stretch. Um, mile 25, my my parents were playing leapfrog throughout the race. And, you know, my dad was trying to take a picture of me at mile 25. And I just kind of gave him the sign, uh, you know, that, that sign where you put your hand kind of in a paddle position and you go across your neck like, no, no go. <laughs> I was doing that to my dad, like, no, you're not going to take a picture of me right now at mile 25 save it for the end when i can give you a smile or something 
And so um, the last point two of the Mesa Marathon, it goes away from the main street into this, uh, uh, what is it, like a commercial park, yeah. if, you, if you will. Um, yep. So it, it turns into that for the last point two. And my, uh, my adrenaline just came back. I, I felt like I was coming back to life. There was the finish line. There was the crowd. They were doing the announcing, the music. And uh, crossing the finish line, I just put my hands in the air and I, in the air, and I just kind of did like a, like a, uh, uh, when you close your fist and do like yeah. a fist yeah. bump in the air. Oh yeah, um, it was just automatic. Like my body wanted to do that. It was a yes, I uh-huh. did this. Um, you know, I, I didn't cramp. I, I felt okay. I was completely fatigued and depleted. Um got my medal you know and uh, when that thing goes around your neck you can't help but get a great smile on your face even if it's a participant medal like I'm always going to have meaning from that um, in that experience Uh, at the end of uh, the finish line there they they hand out a few different items Um, they had fruit cups and these Mexican popsicles, which are basically ice cream on a, on a popsicle stick. And I tell you what, that was the best popsicle I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> it was so good. And so that's, uh, that's awesome. What, what, what's, what was your feeling at the end? Uh, were, were you immediately feeling like I'm doing this again? Or were you kind of like, I honestly don't know if I'm going to do this again. Um, yeah, th- that's a good question. Um, it took me about a day before I told myself I could do that again. Um, the, immediately after the race, I was, I was pretty tired. Um, and I didn't want to hang around and, you know, see all the different vendors and everything like that. I, I was pretty wiped out. Yeah. Um, and so what I wanted, I wanted, I wanted food um, I wanted to rest. Um, but as soon as I wanted that, you know what happened? I got that, I got that runner's high and that runner's high kicked in and I, I forgot about the fatigue. I, for, I, I shortly thereafter forgot about how painful, uh, I was just feeling, you know, a few hours ago, even though I, um, basically had to fall into the, the car seat. Um, when I opened the door, I, you know, couldn't really support my legs i just kind of like <laughs> fell into the seat you know yeah um and then we went and ate the best mexican food i've ever had um perk of of being in arizona is just the sonoran arizona mexican food is just oh, so yeah. good especially after a race nothing um, better i if, for anyone who hasn't visited arizona this is the place the promised land where you get the best mexican food it really oh. is and, and and i stand by that any day of the week yeah, I, I mean, not to get off topic, but when we lived in Boston, horrible Mexican food. I shouldn't say horrible, but they just didn't have any selection. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so anyways, incredible story, Cameron. I, I mean, I, I hats off to you for pushing through. You've you the universe said you're not running a marathon and you fought back and said, yep, I am. Uh, I don't care if I have to kind of crawl my way to the finish line. And, and that's exactly what you did. And I'm inspired by it. Um, you know, I, 
I watched a, so I met, I met a gal in New York. We, we sat together for quite some time. We, we talked for a long time because New York was such a long time to, to wait before you run. And anyways, we follow each other now on, on social media and she, she ran the race too. So I was tracking her. I was tracking you. She had an incredible time. Um, and, and, you know, when I look at the two, I look at someone who's run, you know, a, a, an elite level time. And then I run, I look at someone who has, has run a time that really they had to fight for every last uh, inch of that, that distance, you know, th- there's a very clear, I mean, there's, there's two types of hard. There's a fair, a very clear distinction in my mind between um, those types of hard. And, and, and what I think is probably more challenging is, is the latter, which is, you know, taking a, a bit longer to finish that race because you're not feeling good. And, you know, you're, even though your pace is slower, you're out there for that much longer. And, and so I commend you for that. I, I know that your next race, you know, whether time is your goal or not, you're going to feel so much better because you've now kind of unlocked that in your mind and and you know what to expect and you know what to do differently. What would you do differently now that you've finished there? If you had to pick one thing and one thing only, what would you do differently the next time? That's, that's, that's good. I, I might have to chew on that for, for a second. Um, I want to start running with a group that has the same goals that I do. Um, I've basically gone through two marathon training cycles, uh, lone wolf by myself out running around the same lake every weekend by myself um, weekday runs by myself. I know that I could be faster if I run with uh, people that are faster than me or have uh, the same goals to, to push me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think speed is something that, that could come with time and with running with, with other people. Um, so, so that might be something that I can consider for the next training cycle. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, um, any other bits of wisdom that you want to tell to beginner runners who are prepping for their first or considering running their first marathon? Um, don't do what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I, for that first plan, I just kind of printed something off, off uh, the internet and did my best acquiring knowledge as I go. And I, I understand that like we have to start somewhere. That was my starting place. Um, I know that people do very well when they're communicating with someone more frequently that has done this before. Um, And of course, you, Harrison, you're that person for me. Uh, We've known each other for a long time. I've I've seen what you've been able to do. And so you're someone that I feel like that I have leaned on amongst others to get me through this process. So having a community and building a team around you to help you uh, acquire the knowledge and uh, motivation and coaching that those are all things that I feel like are not just a good idea, but I feel like they're required for the marathon. Hmm. Those are good points, Cameron. I I appreciate you taking the time. I uh, I'm excited to see what you do. Um, I guess to wrap this up, I, I want to know what your next race is going to be, if, if there is going to be one. And uh, I, I want to know if you have any last words to, to kind of share with everyone. 
Sure. So I, I certainly intend on uh, racing for, you know, just use a different word than racing, um, either running, swimming, biking, whatever it is. I want to be as active for as long as I possibly can for as long as my body will allow me to. Uh, in the words of Ritual, I want to go long and I want to go far. Um, so, yeah, I, I do have goals and races planned. Um, I have a couple ideas for, for the spring and the summer, but my next big race for the year, it'll be my last big race for 2023. Um, I'm doing it with you, Harrison. It's the Arizona 70.3. That's a half Ironman uh, in Tempe, Arizona. Oh, I can't wait for that. I, <laughs> I did that lone wolf last year. Uh, your father-in-law, Ron was there cheering me on the whole way, which was incredible. Um, but that was such an awesome race. I can't wait to do it again. And, and honestly, can't wait to, to do it with you. Uh, my cousin's going to be doing it as well. So I, I think we've got quite a, uh, a group starting to come together if, if anyone out there is listening is going to be doing the 70.3 in tempe arizona in october 2023 please reach out on instagram at crummy marathoners cameron how do they find you on instagram um i'm documenting my own journey um i have an instagram account for that if anyone wants to follow that it's it's uh i think <laughs> help me out harrison what is, is it, it try man cam it's try man cam yep T-R-I-M-A-N-C-A-M. Yeah, I think it's try, T-R-I underscore man cam. Okay. If it's not, then whoever the try man cam without the underscore out there is, is going to get some new followers and they're going to be super happy. I so. think there's a, I, I think there's an underscore. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to look it up while we're talking, while you, while you give us your last words, just because I want to correct it. I want to correct you if you're wrong, but I think you probably know your own. Sure. Well, um, you know, when we look at these fitness guys or or girls on, on social media or through podcasts, they seem like they're super, super humid. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of ritual, Dave Goggins, Ken Rideout. They all have this superhuman quality to them. Um, as I'm going through this process myself, I'm thinking these are just normal guys who have decided to uh, to be committed to something and be consistent at something, and that's what makes them great. All that to say, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anybody can run that marathon if I can do it. Um. I still don't, you know, consider myself a quote unquote runner, but uh, now that I've ran a marathon, maybe I have to change that and how I feel about that. But if I can do it, you can do it. You, you're a runner. You I, take this today as your official coronation, if you will, you're, you're officially <laughs> a runner. Um, so, so no more of this nonsense. I don't know what to call myself. You're a runner. You're a triathlete. You're an endurance athlete and embrace it and, and, and leverage that confidence that you've gained through finishing your first marathon and, and many more to come. And I, I love that about looking at the long term, uh, the the long game, right. Rather than just 
the next race, but, but can, what can I do to make sure I'm still racing 20 years from now, 30 years from now? And so thanks so much, Cameron. This has been a blast. The first episode I think we've ever done with a close friend or family member. So I want to do a lot more of these. If you're out there listening and you have just finished your first race um, and you would like to be on the podcast, we'd love to highlight more of these. I think it's so good for others to, to, to tune in and to, to hear these experiences uh, if you enjoyed what you hear, if, if you enjoy what you heard, follow us on Instagram or Cameron on Instagram. It, I, I verified it is try underscore man cam. So thank you. And uh, <laughs> thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been a pleasure. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks, Harrison. I'm looking forward to seeing you and Mo uh, when we do the 70.3. Can't wait. Until then, don't crash on your bike. <laughs> Wear a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a helmet. <laughs> Life's tough. Get a helmet. All right. See ya. <laughs> see you, man. Bye. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this running journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify, searching B-R-E-K-K. B-R-E-K-K.